You are listening to episode 35 of the EU Startups Podcast. Today's guest is Irios Risk co-founder Christina Bentu, who created an innovative threat modeling platform for developers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the EU Startups Podcast. Before we jump into the interview with today's guest, I'm excited to introduce our podcast sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Vanta, helping you scale security practices and automate compliance for the industry's most sought-after standards. To close and grow major customers, you have to demonstrate trust. But providing your security and compliance can be time-consuming, tedious, and expensive especially for startups, unless you use Vanta. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for the most thought-after compliance standards like SOC2 and ISO 27001 and gets you audit-ready in weeks instead of months. With Vanta, you get up to 400 hours of your time back and reach up to 85% in cost savings. And for a limited time, EU startups listeners get $1,000 off Vanta. Just go to vanta.com forward slash EU startups without a dash to get started. And now I'm handing over to my colleague Patricia and to today's guest. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the EU Startups podcast. Now today I'm really looking forward to chatting to our guest who is Christina Bentu. She is the COO and the co-founder of Arius Risk. Founded in 2015, it's a company working within the cybersecurity field, which is a sector that's growing pretty fast in our increasingly digital world, it's fair to say. And in fact, the company recently hit a very major financing milestone. So the platform essentially empowers security and development teams to ensure that applications have security built in right from the beginning. And I'm sure Christina will be able to talk about this and explain it in a lot more detail than, than I can. So aside from this, Christina is also a really inspiring advocate for improving diversity within the entrepreneurial landscape. And she's regularly involved with um, programs such as Inspiring Girls and Women for Cyber. And these are different organizations which are aimed at promoting STEM as a, a viable and successful and welcoming career choice for women and girls so I'm also really excited to talk to her a little bit more about that so um first of all Christina thank you so much for joining us today you're welcome thank you for having me it's really it is it's really great to, to have you here so um I guess just to start off how would you describe Arius Risk how, what is this company that you have created well, we started in, as you said, in 2015, my partner and I, we had an idea for a new cybersecurity product in a new space. So we started working in consultancy, which we didn't like much, the minimum hours possible in order to dedicate the rest of the time to develop the product and to build the company. It is, this is a company that is aiming nowadays to secure all software at design time. Let me give you an, anal an, an analogy. The same way you don't stick the airbags in the wheel of a car after it's been built, you care for the security of your software before even a line of soft code is written. It's called security by design. Okay. 
Interesting. And so what was the, the inspiration for you to start the company up? Yeah, well, realizing during our consultancy time in this uh, cybersecurity boutique, boutique shop, and it's what it was the lack of automat- automation that there is at the beginning of the software development. And also the amount of work that the security analysts carry. Imagine that there is one security analyst per every hundred developers. So imagine wow. the amount of code yeah, that they are producing. And there is this little person in the middle being the bottleneck, just trying to stop all this code, you know, mm-hmm. and, and their work needs tools to help them manage the security of all that code. Working in a cybersecurity consultancy, we were used to finding the same flaws in the design of the application. We thought a machine should be doing part of my work, not me. So we developed that machine. Now now that platform is helping thousands of developers and security analysts as well, all around the world to build secure software quicker and with savings for the business side. Interesting. So, so really helping that person and, and equipping them with the weapons they need. So it's not just a one man battle anymore. Exactly. Exactly. They are they are desperate, and we are we have we have a lack of resources. There's not enough people in cybersecurity. So it needs to be they need to be helped by tools. Absolutely, and I guess helping with with tools as well can help cut down costs and and help other firms with other resource issues that they may have too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we, our business is uh, to help companies, large companies for now, because they are the ones that are more mature in security mm-hmm. consciousness. And um, this, but we aim for the, the medium and small businesses to start having this set mind, mindset as well, which is, okay. which is being responsible for the cybersecurity that comes out of their products. Interesting. Okay. And so, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you've, you've hit a pretty major financing milestone recently. I think it was like 29 million euros you were able to secure, which, I mean, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit about how you've, you've actually grown the company um, in your role as CEO? Yes, well, we were two founders when we started and we bootstrapped for a year and a half. I don't know if you understand what bootstrap means. In our case, means a lot of hard the work. Same, <laughs> a lot of hard work, eating the same food every day, living out of a vegetable garden, eggs from the chicken, solar panels, and a well. So we had zero expenses. I mean, it's and- Sustainable. It sounds very sustainable living. <laughs> very much, very much. We are in the in the vogue of the age. <laughs> so we we built our own cottage in rural Spain. I know that is the epitome of bootstrapping. Some some of very successful businesses are born in garages in Silicon Valley, and this is somehow similar, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah. So it was it was hard times, but they. The the call of this of this project was was so fulfilling that uh, it didn't feel like a struggle. And when we had a beta version of the Irius Race platform, it's when we went into private investment. And as you mentioned, our Series B allowed us to grow from what from the two the two um, founders that we were to 140 employees all over the world from the US to Australia and a constant yearly growth of nearly 100%. We just went from a startup to a scale up, which entails new challenges as well. 
Of course, absolutely. I mean, and it's, it's quite an impressive growth story. And I, I also think it, it could make a really nice movie idea, no? Like seeing rural Spain <laughs> growing up there. You know, I know, I know. People are very impressed by the story. Yeah. yeah, We didn't even have the three Fs. We, my family, friends and fools were, were not even believing in, in, our, in our project. But, but they were encouraging us a lot. And my mother was making us food. And then somehow they allowed us to, to grow. And yeah, it was, it's, it's a fairy tale story, I must say. Absolutely, quite quite incredible. And so, um, I guess my next question then, looking at the the general cybersecurity space, like we we know this is a really massive growth area, and cybersecurity it's it's talked about across industries, and it's important for so many players as the world goes increasingly into a cyber format. Could you tell us a little bit more about what cybersecurity actually is for any of our listeners who maybe aren't so familiar, and why it's so important? Yes. Well, nowadays, and, and given the geopolitical circumstances that we are living in, um, cybersecurity is of the utmost importance. We have to think that defense now is not only in the physical boundaries, but securing a country means securing their banks, the, ener- the energy sector, the critical infrastructures, biotechnology, and most of it, it's software. So let's, let's think about it like every large company is currently a software company. For example, one of our first uh, customers that we still have is Inditex, the Zara and Mangos of the world. Inditex is one of the, if not the first retailer company in the world. And um, they always say that they make T-shirts. That's what they make. Well, they make T-shirts in 2,000 applications a year. So it's okay. a software company for me. And right. all that software needs to be needs to be secure. You know, there are many challenges at the moment. The lack of experts I told you about in the field creates a bottleneck in the software development. And we should automate all possible areas of that process. And we should go from being reactive, that that's how nowadays we are responding to cyber events, and face them proactively, integrating, embedding security during coding, not bolting code security after everything it's made. We have to think about an application or a program as if it was an industrial product. So industry, the industry sector has very, very um, um, integrated uh, in their beliefs that everything has to be secure by design. You don't put the security measurements in a house. Once the house is built, you need a, an expert to tell you. And that's how we work, exactly the same. We work over uh, over a over a mirror board, over a, uh, uh, we automized the whiteboard working in a in a room. So yeah, cybersecurity is um, is is still not. We haven't seen the, the we've seen the tip of the iceberg. Let's put it this way. Interesting. Yes, it seems like we're in a real paradigm shift in a way of of how we actually, as you mentioned, you know, perceive what security is. It's not just not a physical thing. It, it's about this cyber and this digital space. And so what do you see? I mean, you mentioned that the geopolitical crises that we have at the minute that maybe show the relevance of cybersecurity. But in addition to those, what would you say would be the main challenges in the, the cybersecurity space at the moment? Well, the main challenges is regularization. It's um, it's um, how do you call it? It's uh, all these 
um, these obligations that are, that are coming from the government or from the industries, like the PCI, the like payment card, um, payment card industry, they come from, from. It has to be. It has to to have some regulations. So far, now we are starting seeing that they are obliging obliging um, software to be secure by design in certain certain verticals like medical like uh, financial but it must be everywhere when when software is in from from our cars to our defibrillators we we must prevent cyber attacks at all levels of society and it has to we are we have to do the main challenge is evangelizing about that about not that this can happen to you, no matter how small or big your company is, it, it, it can happen to you. So you are responsible for the security of the products for the end consumer. We can't throw security into the shoulders of some other third party provider or even another department within our own company. We should take we should all take part in security. And for that, we have to have it easy to do so. We need experts bringing cybersecurity from the realms of the clouds and the cons and conceptions to every computer user. And that's the, that's the biggest challenge I can see. Interesting. And so I guess you know that that makes for a lot of space for growth as well. You know, to to actually, as you say, mention bringing that trickling it down from the high level from the cloud right into every kind of company and process and strategy. Interesting. And yes. so turning now to, to yourself, I'm, I'm very interested in your personal entrepreneurial background. And I mean, you're obviously the founder of this really fast growing company, uh, The Scale Up. Did you always know that you would become a founder? Oui. <laughs> I have not always been in the cyber world, not to mention being a, a founder. But life has funny ways, doesn't it? <laughs> and here I am evangelizing about the democratization of cybersecurity for all. But the decision to go from a monthly fixed payroll to a freelance um, state the status, which is uncertain, it gives you isolation. It's uh, it's very hard to to to. The non-security of having a paycheck every every month, it it puts you in a, in 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 moving earth, and so. But it came for me without pain because there was a need inside of of me to create Irish Race once the idea appeared in my mind. It was the project that pulled me in. I just obeyed the call. You can say. I just I, I just went for it and it's hard it's hard but it takes you out of your comfort zone and I've always been mm, very pro testing different things and putting myself to the test of, of uh, challenges and I just get bored too quickly so being in a payroll doing the same every month for somebody that I never, I, I never knew and never met, and I had no no means of meeting them. Um, it was it was a bit frustrating. But this this is uh, I I answer to a bigger call, and it's the it's helping society to be more secure. I think it. I know it sounds it sounds a bit naive, but um, we really want to build a secure society when software is everywhere in our daily lives from our remote work to medical devices we should protect it and uh, yeah it just came naturally for me 
Interesting. It's a real, a real passion project. And it's, you, as you say, you're pursuing something that you genuinely really believe in to, to make yeah. an impact, bettering, bettering the world. Yeah. Yes. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're not bored anymore. <laughs> I don't think the founder, the life of a founder, it generally isn't no. described. <laughs> no definitely not it's very exciting every day for good or for bad it's always very exciting <laughs> and so of course I mean in in Europe we we have a little bit of a diversity problem and in 2022 the Atom, Atomico um, State of European Tech report actually showed that um, the percentage of funding going to female lead companies had like decreased to about 1%. And um, it's super hard for female led teams to get access to funding. Um, they come up across a lot more challenges than male led teams and male entrepreneurs. And that's across sectors. And I think it's fair to say that cybersecurity and STEM is even more male dominated. So I was wondering if you could maybe share some of your experiences or your, your kind of the challenges that you've had to come across as a female entrepreneur in this space. Well, uh, yes, that's, I might, I might talk a lot, you stop me anytime, because this is a subject that, that gets me very, very inside. And for me, being a fem female founder means contributing with an, another optic to all matters. Also creating a more empathic working space and more caring, giving more importance to being reflective and to have logical doubts, to meditate on problems. We balance, we balance with our organic but steady growth, the exponential growth of the young. I prefer to talk about the yin and the yang than the female and male. But uh, I'm a firm believer that women add the yin to the story. And sometimes it means doing things that don't immediately return in income. But they establish the basis that makes everything able to flourish, like a strategy or internal operations. As for the challenges, for me, there are, there, I think there are two challenges. One, for being a woman, it meant, and I and I guess it still means fighting the imposter syndrome, always trying to achieve more, to demonstrate my value and justify myself, my right to be here in a highly technological environment. And, and even also in, the, in a high level directive position where you won't see easily see women. But um, I've been blessed with having great dedicated mentors that took the time to teach me and to be surrounded by the most beautiful colleagues from who I learn every day and make my work so enjoyable. Um, but another, another challenge, not about being a female, but being a startup from rural Spain, it's that the difficult part was to have access to private investment. Since traditional investment is out of the question, banks and, and so on, for a startup, they, they don't understand well a SaaS company and the financial strategy of a startup. And having the headquarters in a small rural town in, in Spain did not help. We were a very highly technological company in the wrong environment. And, and so we were perceived as risky. Um, I you won't believe the amount of times, Patricia, that they told me you have to move to Madrid or you're never going to reach or, or achieve anything. I heard it so many times from private investment. And that was very demoralizing because because of family, my, the family I have to take care of my parents, I, I couldn't move from here. And, and it was it was do I really have to choose before between family and work? It's it, between family and my dreams. 
and I persisted. And here I am, I'm still in Westcar. <laughs> Amazing. You've really fought against the odds because I think as well, you know, the the kind of when you're mentioning about wanting to move you away from rural Spain, that's taking away some of your identity and, and this aspect of what makes you you, you. And that's so important in a in a founder, right, to, to have your strong sense of identity. And um, I guess as, as well that to me kind of connects to what you're mentioning about imposter syndrome, which is a super common, frightening, frighteningly common um, issue across for women across uh, industries, spaces, countries. Why do you think that so many of us women suffer from imposter syndrome? Mm. Well, first of all, we have to. It's a curious question. It's, it's an interesting question. I think that we, historically, we haven't been able to do so many things. We've been away from the social uh, prisma. We, my mother couldn't do higher studies. My mother couldn't open a bank account without the husband or the, or the father. My grandmother couldn't vote. It's, it's, it's yesterday, you know, all this. And we are, so we've been excluded from all this, this, uh, the society fields and not to mention the professional fields. So, there is so much we have to do that traditionally, it, my, I remember my grandmother, beautiful person, but she said to me once, why do you want to study if you're going to take care of your children and your house? And that is, that is the reality. We've been away from the, the progress or, or being excluded from it. And the cases of success of women in progress has been hidden away. So, we all have the imposter syndrome somehow when we leave the house. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's so embedded within our society still. And as you're saying, all these things are, are so recent. It's it's not so long ago that we we've had equal rights and equal footing as men, I guess, as well. Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. And so um how have you seen the the I mean Arius Risk has been running now since since 2015. We're now in uh, 2022, heading into 2023. Um, how have you seen the diversity and inclusivity of Europe's entrepreneurial space change over the past five years? Has it has it changed? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We have to think and believe, everybody believe it's a big truth. In a cynical world that we are nowadays, there's a big truth that today is a time when society has been more inclusive. That yes. That is for sure. That thanks to role models showing their leadership in the cybersecurity world or in any professional world, women who has stepped in hard and tried to change things. In the past five years that you that you mentioned, that you indicated, many are the associations that are offering the visibility of the work of women in the sectors. For example, every major conference now has a specific track for women in cybersecurity or any other, or many other technological opportunities. And remote work with the pandemic and the, the, the establishing of remote work, that has helped a lot women to be able to balance between professional and personal life. So we yes we've seen them, but but we are seeing women in all in all traditionally male spaces nowadays. But because because our mothers and grandmothers have fought for us to be able to to study. 
Interesting. Yeah. So as, as we've studied, the glass ceiling has been broken and we're, we're not getting there. And, and just out of curiosity, who would you describe as your role model? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I, I think that Michelle Obama was one of my first role models when I started because, you know, she was the, the wife of, but she made a, something for herself. She made, uh, she, she she achieved being independent from a political perspective and helped children, especially girls from all ages, to, to achieve their dreams. And it was her work with, with girls that inspired me to enroll, enroll the associations I am with right now. And she keeps on going. She keeps on doing amazing work. But now that his husband is not in the spotlight, um, she has disappeared from the news, but she's still she's still a, um, somebody to follow, really. Absolutely. I, I completely agree for me as well. She's definitely a role model. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you, you mentioned there as well that the associations that you're involved with, that you are um, that are helping to really promote a woman's role in this space and to to highlight women as well and to get more women and girls into the the career path in the STEM world. Um, So can you talk about these initiatives a little bit? Yes, well, I I work with two of them, Inspiring Girls in one side and Women for Cyber, that is a spin-off of um, EXO, the European Cybersecurity Organization. And um, they tackle the same social issue, but from different angles. Okay, inspiring girls, yeah. Inspiring girls is focused on the ages from seven to fifteen, and it empowers them to achieve their dreams, whatever they might be. Um, at Women for Cyber, I oversee cybersecurity-specific projects run or executed by women, and I mentor them. But the, with inspiring girls, I travel. It's a very. It's, I learn a lot because uh, I travel the rural schools in the Pyrenees, here the mountains between France and and Spain. Okay. Yes, the rural rural schools are. They have a very different dynamic from the ur- urban schools, um, but that is a subject for another um, for another talk. Um, the I, when I go to these schools. For example, let let me tell you the activity, my favorite activity. I just push them to pursue their dreams. So I ask them to write in a piece of paper what will they they be when they grow up. And after my talk about their chances and chasing dreams and everything you aim for can be possible, I ask them to write down not what they will be when they grow up, but what they want to be when they grow up. And the answer is always different in the two moments. So wow, that's very fascinating. Every time, every time and every single girl, they say, I am going to be this, but I would like to be that. And, mm-hmm. and that, yes, and that you don't see it in, in, in boys. You just don't see it. You have more chances of them writing the same in the two. So it makes me wonder a lot, and I, I read lots of studies, academical studies and so on, to try to understand. Microsoft has a very good one about this. Why, why girls are forces of nature up till when they are seven? And they believe they're better than boys and they, they have better grades and everything. And then from seven to 15, something happens there 
I don't know what happens there, but their self-esteem has lowered down so much. So I'm trying to tackle with inspiring girls these these ages. Do you think it's maybe something to do with, as you mentioned, the role models or they become more aware of what's in the media and, and social media or they become more aware of what people are telling them of, of what they can achieve or what they can be when they grow up? Because, I mean, it's quite mind-blowing to think that they they see what they want to be, but they limit themselves. Yes, yes. And it's that as many studies as I read, I cannot give you an answer. It's uh, it's it's something that happens. I don't know if it's puberty or but or or when they go into society, they start hearing all these things that they are they are in the DNA of society still because we have a lot of work to do fighting for our rights. And I do, I still don't have an answer, but um, I hope that the next time we talk, I can I can give you one. Really, this I, mystery I, has to be sorted. <laughs> this mystery has to be sorted to tackle it more more frontally. <laughs> I think I think it's like a number one priority. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, women for cyber. Then, so you have you know inspiring girls. You're literally inspiring girls and, and starting at the very beginning and building confidence and trying to remove these barriers for for young girls and then you have women for cyber which you mentioned just like a mentoring program could you share a little bit more about how it works yes they assign the the um, women for cyber couples uh, mentors with mentees and for example i'm not very technical so i couldn't help these women um forming or creating their software but other women can do that so i write down my capabilities and they match me with a mentee that needs to grow in those capabilities so for me for example i've been assigned with um, with a lovely girl that uh, wants to wants to have a, a louder voice in a male oriented orientated um, environment that she's working in um another one that wants to work on the soft skills and leadership um and and it's uh, it's about creating a, a company as well so i mentor them in in entrepreneurship it's more it's more work and and yeah work focused Yes, so it's, it's like kind of like matchmaking mentors with mentees and mentees with mentors to kind of help collaboratively boost and enhance skills so that obviously when, when women are confronted with different challenges that they might have in the, the business world, they are better equipped to deal with them, I guess. Yes, exactly. And and it's working very well. We've been, this is the first the pilot that we are doing. It's the first time that, uh, that it launches this year. And we are, we are seeing a great, great success. All the mentees are very happy and us, the mentors, are learning a lot from our mentees too. Amazing, amazing. I absolutely love it. And so, um, you know, with these these different organizations that, of course, you're involved with, there, there are a number of other ones um, from across Europe to support more women and become founders, more women in tech and, and more women in cyber, as you mentioned as well. Do you think that now we have an opportunity to make the future of tech a female one? Well, I will, I will vote more for I, I wouldn't go for for male or female. I will say it needs to be balanced. 
and yeah. each, each giving their side of the prisma. But I envision more and more women pursuing STEM careers as it has been for the last years that we talked before, because uh, we are starting from zero and we are we are seeing them breaking free now and being encouraged by role models, by associations. And, and this is working. This is working now because, as I said, we need to fight for our generation. Um, the, same, the same way that my grandmother fought for the right to vote, my mother for the right to study. My generation has, I think, three fighting uh, fronts open. One is the Me Too movement, the, to, not to fight against it, but pro it, <laughs> and fighting against the glass ceiling, and women in, in male-oriented um, uh, spaces. And it helps it because there is this this uh, thought that that women are not encouraged, they don't want to get involved into STEM because we, we it cannot be associated personal life with professional life. But the amount of possibilities that remote work and flexible hours can mean to them, they need to be seized. And plus it's a it's a guaranteed work and it's well paid. And there are some of us that gives four days a week to work without salary reduction. You also have access to specialized training within the companies to keep you updated, and they pay for your certifications. Now we are in better position, society is in better position to, to achieve the balanced world. Absolutely, I think so as well. I think it's it's very interesting as well. You mentioned the the idea, you know, with remote work as well can help remove some of the barriers to women, especially when women tend to be overburdened with things like childcare and familial care. And so, you know, looking at how changing our attitudes of, of what work looks like and how we balance it in our lives and how that can also promote more inclusivity as a whole, not just for women, but also for people of other uh, underrepresented backgrounds can be better supported to pursue these high level careers in, in tech. Exactly. I think that the, the tech is offering is offering all the right things to, to allow the possibility of um, a good balanced life for everybody. Interesting. But it's great. It's great to hear. So the future <laughs> of tech certainly sounds like it has the potential to be to be inclusive, which is what we like to hear. Um, so just uh, I was wondering then as well if you could share what does the future of various risk look like? Oh, we are right now deep into evangelization of security by design to make threat modeling make mainstream. And as I said, to bring it from the very mature and security focused organizations like finance, to bring it down to everybody, medium and small companies. But for that, we have to make it easier for users. We have to make, to stop, stop putting all this mystery of technology around cybersecurity or like, like physicists physicists used to have in the before it's not it's not rocket science we need that every developer can have a self-service of security task in their software architecture we cannot rely solely in in the security analyst this is why it is risk funded threat modeling connect which is a forum to make 
to make this accessible to all um, without the mystery of technology, regardless of the stage in the security the threat modeling journey. In addition, we, we also have a free version of the tool called Community Edition to get people started because we believe that we cannot threat model the world, but the world can threat model itself. And so we need cooperation amongst all of us to bring down to reality the, the exquisities of this cyber world. Great. It sounds very exciting and I'm, I'm really looking forward to see see what's to come for Iris Risk as well, see what's to come from Inspiring Girls and, and Women for Cyber. Um, it, it's really great to hear these different initiatives and programs and that you're working on and to hear your story. So thank you so much for, for sharing it with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Patricia. It's great being great. Thank you.